in your scripture. I'll be reading just verse 7 from 1 Peter 3. I'll give you a second to turn there. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. God's word says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray. Father, as we return to your word this morning to hear it preached, I pray that your spirit would be acting through Pastor Adam and in our hearts, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. As these past couple weeks we've been in what can be controversial and hard texts, Lord, may they not be so with us, as we would have changeable and humble hearts as we come before you this morning. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So as we proceed through the text of 1 Peter 3, the discussion of what we have labeled since the beginning of verse 18 of uh, household codes comes full circle. The head of household is obviously present in the directions given to the servant in verse 18. You see where it began. Uh, general instruction of verse 13 and the uh, Christian's attitude toward governing authorities and so forth. In verse 18, he pivots to the household code. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. And obviously, once again, the head of house is involved in the instruction. Then you jump to uh, three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, that we've covered for a few weeks now. Likewise, the, the parallelism between the servants and the wives. Be subject to your own husbands, uh, so that even if some do not obey, they may be one without a word by the conduct they observe in their wives. And now... We jump into the likewise of verse 7. And so I said, as I have mentioned, the household codes come full circle. But the distinction here is now the head of house is directly addressed regarding his responsibilities toward his wife. Now, um, I do want to note the obvious awkwardness of the discussion before we get started is I'm sure you notice as you look at the text as I am also looking at the text uh, there's six verses relating to a wife's submission and obedience to her husband it seems we've arrived at only one verse regarding the nature of the husband's responsibilities and so it seems that maybe that itself tips the hand towards some sense of inequity or inequality among the sexes in relationship to who really needs to invest in the marriage. But that's not the case at all. Again, and I hope to make that clear, we won't spend three weeks, but it's not because we are giving a, nink, a wink and a nod to the husbands. Rather, we will spend at least two weeks in this text. It's very important. We'll handle just the first half of the text this morning. Again, to be clear, why? It's not because the husbands are simply getting a pass. Or somehow the husbands or the males in the room simply get it. And therefore our wives need to hear longer weeks or texts. It's not that at all. I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, actually, as we look at the discourse, Peter's actually rather subversive 
to cultural norms. Remember, you'd have to go back just a few weeks, but consider it with me. Neither the slave nor the wife was ever to be directly addressed, guided, or encouraged in first century public discourse. Rather, the address or the instruction was always directed to who? The head of house. Who then, as the gatekeeper, distilled on a need-to-know basis to the other members within household. What would we make of that then if we read the biblical text and we look at the account beginning in verse 18 all the way through verse 6 of chapter 3? What would we learn if we contextualized all of this and put it together? Well, from my opinion, I think we see something rather quite wonderful. That Peter directly and thoroughly, yet graciously, addresses both slaves and wives directly. Again, why is that such a wonderful thing to observe? That he would be so thorough and yet so gracious that he would directly address slaves and wives. Because as he saw it, fellow believers made in the image of God a sense of dignity and agency to both. This is why he directly addresses slaves. Who, who would perk up, right? Like, oh, he's talking to us. Yes, don't talk to them. Talk to me, head of house. No, 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 I'm speaking to them with dignity, a sense of responsibility and agency. They're meaningfully Christian. And likewise, to wives. No, no, don't speak to them. You can speak to me. No, I'll speak directly to them in dignity and with a sense of responsibility and agency. They, too, are co-heirs with the head of house in the grace of Christ. So it's really not a slight that either slaves or wives receive so much attention. Rather, honestly, if we just consider it for a few moments, we see it's rather wonderful that he lifts both stations in the first century as he addresses them so thoroughly and graciously. And now, as I said, he does turn to address the person who holds the power. There's no two ways about it. And then we need to consider what um, the responsibility of the power is. Um, it's assumed, even here in the text of verse 7, that the head of house holds the power. Um, and I want you to see as we work through this text, um, the first of two directives, given the assumption of station uh, and the uh, construct and class of marriage that is assumed be hu between husband and wife. Um, the assumed relation is that the head of house, indeed over those within his house, but even head of house in terms of man to woman in relation of marriage. He possesses the power. Um, and this power that he possesses, men, that you possess in your marriage, it is a possess. Uh, is a, a God-vested authority uh, for you to rule. Um, now, again, 
I would, I would only ask that if you've worked through these texts uh, with us to this point, that you keep the entirety of the text in mind. It, it, keep cycling it through your mind, beginning in verse 1 about wifery and, 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 and women, and, and that you join that to verse 7 and going forward about the responsibility of male leadership. Notice the first of two directives he gives to you men. Likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, I want to note for you the first directive can also be translated. So it's a fair translation, and I wouldn't improve upon it, but I just wish to note for you the distinction within it. Maybe you want to consider it more broadly. The text could actually be translated, not simply husbands uh, live with your wives in an understanding way, which again is fine, but perhaps you would broaden it to say according to knowledge. The text would be according to knowledge. And, and, and I'll jump on this a little bit later, but wives is actually, uh, the, the term wives is not present within this beginning of the text. It's an assumption, right? It's a contextualized assumption, husbands. Uh, it's, it's live in an understanding way or live according to knowledge. The assumption is likewise husbands live uh, in an understanding way with who? Your wives. But I'll come back to that in a few moments. What is the text essentially saying in verse 7 with the very first directive? Peter is saying husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding or we could say in a knowledgeable way. The question that you're asking immediately, I know this and, and I ask it with you, hopefully I'll be helpful in answering it, but the question immediately that prompts to a concerned husband that wants to be obedient before God, before the face of God in his relationship to his wife, when Peter says, Adam, to Adrienne, Adam, live with Adri in an understanding way. If, if I at all want to be responsive to that directive, I'm asking myself, understanding what? Or, 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 or to gain, if we translate the text, according to knowledge, Adam, live with Adri according to knowledge. I would ask myself, according to knowledge of what? Like, like what is the information, the knowledge, the understanding that I need in order to live with my wife? Um, what is to inform a husband's interaction with his wife. What do I need to understand? Again, the answer is similar to all that has preceded it in this small mini-set series within the text beginning in verse 1. Meaning, Peter is not specifically telling us what it is that we need to understand or be living according to a certain knowledge with our wives. A knowledge or an understanding of what? It's not specifically spelled out. Again, why not? I think there's a, a, a as we've seen uh, with the wife's submission, and now we see with a husband's rule. Within this context, I submit to you that Peter is once again instructing on the principles of hierarchy and gender distinctions within the marriage and then leaving the details to be worked out by the spouses. Let me read that again. I, I, I hope to lay this to your conscience because remember, we don't want to go down the rabbit hole 
talking about specific applications of who is allowed to do what and, and how people perform certain acts and activities within marriage. That, that's just, that's not my place to weigh in on. Um, and I, I think I'm safe there because Peter isn't weighing in on it. Uh, he's, he's giving you the principles, the structural understanding of hierarchy and gender distinction within the marriage. There is one. There is one. Now, again, you're going to have to wrestle with the implications of what that is, but, but there is, even according to nature, there is a distinction between your maleness, men, and your femaleness, ladies. There is a distinction there. And that distinction is manifest in your marriage. If it isn't, Peter is suggesting or commanding you correct it. There needs to be one. Husbands need to rule. They need to lead. Wives need to submit. This needs to occur. Now, again, you'd say, well, um, in our marriage, how should that look? I, I, I can't, again, that's one step too far for me to weigh into. I'm not trying to create a legal legislation whereby you determine who's doing what within your marriage. Neither is Peter. But he's telling you these responsive relations need to exist within the marriage. I think one other piece I'll, I'll, I'll say, if, if, if you can, turn in your text back from Peter, back through Hebrews, and go to the pastoral uh, letter Titus. If you can flip back to Titus, I just want to read a text for you and then give you something to, to consider and ponder further about um, your marriage and about your distinctions within your marriage, your differences, maleness and femaleness, and how that uh, can take shape. Uh, I think this is helpful, what Paul says to Titus about gender relations and, and a, a better way to pursue advice. So um, uh, let me read the text for you, and then I'll make a brief comment, and we'll jump back to 1 Peter. But I'm adding this in for you to think on, um, how can I receive or how can I give good advice to other couples or friends? And again, I would share with you first, if you're considering ever giving advice, make sure you're a person in life from whom they wish to receive advice. That's step one. Not everyone wants your advice. In fact, as we all know, very few people want any of our advice. So I would say don't, don't self-elect your person as the advice giver. I would say be careful and just think. From whom would I want to receive advice? And you will observe um, some relationships that you feel are a good ones to maybe um, take some stuff from. And then gently proceed to ask, hey, so how do you work this out? I notice it seems to work well. Um, so so and, I, so and so and I do this. Um, do you think that seems to make good sense? We seem to have a tension there. I don't know why. The point is, you can pursue other relationships to fill in those blanks. Peter is not giving them to you. He's telling you the actions that need to be taken, but then you need to fill in those details. How can you? I'm just simply saying, perhaps by asking and observing, or maybe merely observing and not asking. But notice what Paul says in Titus um, chapter 2. It's kind of laid out here a little bit of how we can receive advice. He, he, he gives Titus the directives of what the churches could behave like, look like, and so forth. Verse 1 of chapter 2. But as for you, to Titus, the minister, 
Teach what accords with sound doctrine. That, that is his duty. You, you need to be doing this. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in the faith, in love, and in steadfastness. This is who older men. So younger men now uh, that we have a handful of, your, 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 um, your sails are set for that harbor. You're younger now, and you're seeking to be a man of character as you age. This is who older men are to be. Then it proceeds. Notice verse 3. Um, uh, it says, older women, likewise. Uh, what is their portrait within the church? They're to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They don't sit around and day drink. They're to teach. So this is the other piece from 1 Peter to fill in some of the blanks. They are to teach what is good. And so train, who? The young women. To love their husbands. Uh, and children. To be self-controlled, pure. Working at home, kind. Submissive to their own husbands. That the word of God may not be reviled. So you see the parallelism in 1 Peter. It sounds very similar in the same household codes. Look at verse 6. Likewise, urge the young men to be self-controlled. So again, if we were to look at this text back in 1 Peter then, and we're asking ourselves, how would we fill in some of the blanks if Peter's simply instructing on the principles of hierarchical gender, gender differences or distinctions within the marriage? How would we fill in the blanks? I was thinking back to last Sunday. Uh, and thinking through the text of um, jewel, uh, jewelry, braided hair, and so forth. And we're talking about materialism and beauty. Um, how would women receive comments about submission better from older women? That, 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 that's something you should pursue. Relationships you think are meaningful for you. Um, and again, just uh, again, a warning about being the self-elected leader. Pursue. How should men uh, uh, relate to one another in these texts? They should be men of self-control and virtue who love their wives, who then help younger men grow in the same character. If you're having a hard time in your marriage, you're having a hard time filling in the blanks, you're having a hard time getting along. Men, we lose our way. We don't see our role well at times. We become incredibly selfish individuals. It's just, it, it, it is a, 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 a sin that besets within us. So as we do these things, and we're, what should we do to get correction? Talk to other men. And I don't mean about blabbering about how terrible you are. I mean sincerely asking someone you feel you can rely on that won't then go and share it to the next man and, and rely on that man and ask him, share with him, pray with him. Women then to women, men to men. This seems to be, as Paul even directs Titus, this is kind of how it more naturally is given and it more naturally is received. But let me come back to the text of 1 Peter then and give you just simply two points of understanding. Again, I'm stepping back most broadly because it's not something specific and in the minutia of your private life. It's two broad principles. If he says, likewise, husbands, men in this room who are wed, young men in this room who aspire to be wed, 
How would you conceive of living with your spouse in an understanding way? I'll give you two ways. Number one, understanding of yourself. This is important for you men. To have some measure in a, in a sober-minded assessment of you as a man in that marriage. And I don't mean simply kind of note your place. I mean meditate and consider who is Adam Thomas and how do I relate to Adri Thomas based on a sense of who Adam Thomas is. That's how I should proceed toward Adrienne Thomas. Equipped with a sense of who I, Adam Thomas, who I am. What I mean by that is a sense of understanding and possessing self-awareness. Self-awareness in terms of your strengths. And, men, self-awareness of your weaknesses. When, when this occurs within the house, I tend to reflexively act like that. Be knowledgeable of that, then. And, and then curb that reflexive activity or response. Because then you're asking, and when I reflect like this, the effect on my wife is that. So again, as you consider who you are as an individual, possess self-awareness in terms of your strengths, men, in terms of your weaknesses, and in terms of what effect each of those has on your wife as you would seek to lead her. You don't live in the marriage, men, in a vacuum. And you need to understand your leadership and its effect on those within the home. Discerning your personality type. And I'm not saying, I, I, you know, go and take a, a personality profile. You've probably gone to HR at work and they've done that for you. You, 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 you don't need to sit there and take a, a, a quiz on the internet to find out if you like red or blues more often. You, you, you need, there's some, there's, some goal, there's some strength in knowing some of those pieces, perhaps, and how you hear things and so forth. But, man, you need to be serious about it. it who are you as a person? How are you constituted? And, and, and no, that constitution is reflected and affects each member of your household. The second thing I would say, again, it's kind of Captain Obvious stuff, but I hope to be helpful. A sense of understanding yourself, and number two, a sense of understanding your wife. You're going to need to know her in a meaningful way. And, and let me say before I describe that knowledge of your wife, um, let me once again put confidence back into you as a couple without specific directives. I'll, I'll step back and I'll broadly say a couple of things, but let me say more particularly. Um, it's meaningful and, and it's important. I would push that it's essential that you, you know uh, your wife and what works within your relationship to grow it and to nurture it. And with that knowledge, eliminate outside voices that seek to tell you better ways of going forward. There was a thing when Adrian and I first got married, and maybe you guys are all into this, and I don't know who's into this in the room and who isn't, 
So again, I get to say this, and there's no consequence. Don't be hating on me, because I don't know. And without that knowledge, I proceed. There was a thing back when uh, Adrian and I were uh, younger marrieds, uh, and it proceeded for maybe a decade, about like dating your wife and taking her out to eat and all these things. Um, we got in a situation where uh, uh, we had a, a, a few couples that we were switching these date nights with to where Adrian and I were just exhausted. They'd come over and they would help us, but we would just drive somewhere and sit and wait until we could go back home. Because it just, it was helpful, they were helping, but it wasn't helping, it just, it, it, we don't date well with each other. We just, it just is not how we do things. It, but that doesn't put us at one another's throats either. It's just not how we jam. So, so you know, it just, we're, we do different. And, and there should be no guilt, like, you're not dating your wife. It's like, I know, I don't like to. She doesn't like me to date her. It's not how we get. It's just not how we go. We, 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 we are together in different manners, in different ways, in different times. And I'm not going to be guilted by all the people who tell me I should be doing better things or different things with my wife. I will when I recognize within myself I am not doing right by Adri. Then that is a problem for me, not for you, for me. And I need to solve it. And you need to do the same, then. You need to know what does work and what does your wife truly enjoy. Then do that. It's not hard. The hard part is being willing to take the time to do it. I'm not talking about just simple activities. I'm talking about knowing her as a person. Again, uh, understanding her personality that, that's, again, an important factor about the, the dating thing. Maybe you guys all date. I, I don't know. It's fine. Do. Keep going. If it works and it's meaningful. Um, understand your wife in a meaningful way, men, according to her weaknesses. Understanding what trips her up, what discourages her. Understand those elements. Understand your wife's strengths. And don't be short on uh, feeling like if I compliment them, I'm somehow undermining my own authority. That would be ridiculous. Um, be thankful for them. Uh, understand your wife's desires. And then I would just say this, um, armed with the understanding, it seems Peter says, to live with your wife. If you understand her personality and yours and how those things are better together and at points create friction, if you understand her weaknesses, her strengths, her desires, then men, informed with that knowledge, live patiently, lovingly, and gently with your wife. That, that you, you need to work on this. This is who you need to be in your marriage. And you'll further recognize this kind of loving leadership, patience, love, gentleness, is more fundamentally, I will press you men, is more fundamentally in action than in emotion. How so? Look at the text, verse uh, 7, part B. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, self and her. Like, labor at this. And the second directive, again, if you're like, oh, it's all ideas. It's all ideas. I think of my, no, no it, Peter's like, it's not, though. It's not ideas. It's actions. And this is where he goes, he says, showing honor to the woman. Again, if I could just say to you men, the godly husband uses his God-vested leadership in actionable service 
for the good of his wife. That, that, that is what you will do with it if you proceed to live by faith. If, if indeed uh, you want to be obedient and responsive to the word of God, I, 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 uh, I, I extend that assumption upon all of you this Lord's day. This is why we gather, is to be led by his word. And so men in this room, you're, you came this morning, you want to hear the word of God, and you want to be re responsive to it. That, that's why you came. Okay, then Peter is telling you, take responsibility. Understand yourself and who you are and the impact that you have on your wife as you lead her. And then, armed with the knowledge of who she is as well, show honor to her. Honor is an actionable item. Again, if I could just summarize the first portion of the text, what is clear about a husband's leadership? Understanding yourself, your wife, and employing that knowledge under godly service and leadership is what it means to live in an understanding and a knowledgeable way of your wife. I want to touch then on what is obviously uh, questionable uh, in the text for our, our feelings or our emotions. And, and, and also within this text then there are a handful of ways that people have interpreted over time. I, I want to be helpful to you about this gender distinction. Look at verse seven once more and we'll move to our conclusion in just a few moments. Verse seven, likewise, men, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the female as the weaker vessel. I do want to note for you the text does use the term not for wife showing honor to your wife, but it is a linguistic change there in uh, verse 7 to, it's to the feminine one. Why do I note that to you? Because it's important for us against the zeitgeist of the age, right? The, the spirit of the age and the cultural movement that we self-identify is the only identity we possess. Again, you, you might ruffle with some of that. The reality, that's not true. It's just not true. Um, I hope you know that. And here is a point where I can stop and help you to know that. There are two sexes. Um, there are male and female. And so Peter says, maleness, recognize femaleness. And dwell with that female as a weaker vessel. So it may seem a little startling, of course, for our modern ears to hear that husbands show honor to their wives based upon the condition that they are perceived rightly as a weaker vessel. The question is obvious one that we'll answer in just the next couple of moments and then we'll conclude. Well, what does Peter mean by weaker vessel? Once again, as I feel like I'm saying throughout the entire section, there's no extended explanation. Um, I want to give you three main options before us. I'll lay these three at your feet, and then you consider them, meditate upon them, and seek to be obedient to this text in light of them. 
Number one, one of our three main options for what it means that the female, again, it's not just your wife, but it's the female. So he's directly addressing maleness to femaleness. When you look at a female, when you are in relation to her, particularly as her male, as her husband, you are to respond to her based upon a knowledge that she, the female, is weaker. We have three main options. Number one, it could be primarily understood as physical weakness relative to the male's strength. Again, I think that's obvious. Once we say that women are physically weaker than males, or females are physically weaker than males, um, we all have exceptions. I, I would get destroyed if I jumped in an MMA round octagon with, with those women. So the, the, the immediate pivot isn't like, that can't be true. I know someone. Like, I, right, sure you do. And I've seen her on TV too. And she would kill me, literally kill me. I understand that. that, 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 that but that, that, that doesn't deny reality. Um, and I won't exponentially keep going. But you know what I mean. It's evident by nature that maleness is physically stronger than femaleness. This is an aspect of a knowledge of your understanding. And it could tilt towards abuse. Like, you should never, right, it's impolite to put your hands on femaleness, but, like, it's more than impolite. It's a violation of your maleness to put your hands on femaleness. Your violation is you are not even recognizing in your behavior who she is as female. That immediately is a violation between the sexes. The second piece of that, our other option, is it could be primarily addressing her constitution. I only bring that up. Um, we know that the virtues of courage are, are supposed to be impressed upon young maleness. And we expect men to be courageous. Again, do, do females have courage? Yes. That, that, that's not in question. But there is an expectation upon maleness that he be a male of courage. Um, there, are, there are times in which the female and the male will be together, and there will be a situation where there will be needed response. And it is expected, not simply by cultural code and conditioning, but there is an expectation according to your maleness that you will act on behalf of your wife. That, that, that's expected of you. And if any male was near and saw you not, he himself would feel, I need to act on behalf of this femaleness. Men, we know that. There is a need for maleness to be courageous. And you acknowledge this in the interactions with your female. But again, are women courageous? Of course. That is as obvious as the sun rising in the east. I primarily note it for you because we're talking about how Peter is addressing household codes that are informed in the first century, and there is a lot in early philosophy that is written that conditions this context about women being lacking courage of constitution. So perhaps it's there. Thirdly, this is our final piece. It could primarily be addressing her place in the social and familial hierarchy. Remember, she is a weaker vessel, even according to the hierarchy in uh, the relationship. Uh, in the first century, she would have had less available to her, less opportunity. 
less individuality, um, her ceiling is much lower than the head of house in this context. And you are to recognize that about her station in that sense of weaker station. And you are to show her honor, not put her down, not manipulate, but lead, show honor, understand her, understand what the frustrations would be that would attend to that and meet her needs. In conclusion, then, I'll end this with you for this week, and then men will look at our prayer life next week because that is here lingering as on the line. But see, it, I want to talk about it just briefly because if you don't value prayer, perhaps you just kind of think, well, meh, I won't be able to pray very well. It's worth it. Hopefully not. Hopefully we value prayer. And then we understand the weight of the condition of this text. But to end this week, it is the command to you, husband, men. The command here from Peter is this. Husbands, you possess the power to lead, to rule. Honor that positioning, which means you do not exploit it or manipulate your wife through it but you lead for her good and for God's glory. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you help us. There are many besetting weaknesses to us as men and our leadership. In many ways, um, male leadership is missing in many, many ways. We're given to selfishness, a lack of restraint, poor character, slothfulness help us to hear the word of god and to repent of our slothfulness of our abdication where we just bark things and we 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 don't even provide we don't lead we don't guide we don't encourage we don't love we don't understand be with us patiently but strongly convict us of our sins that we might find the grace of your spirit present, that we might repent of our failed leadership, ask our wives for forgiveness, and build a constructive marriage. Help us to do so. In Christ's name we pray, amen.